Bitcoin isn't socialist. Bitcoin isn't capitalist. Bitcoin isn't left. Bitcoin isn't right. Bitcoin isn't Labour. Bitcoin isn't Tory. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the Bitcoin Collective Podcast. Your journey into Bitcoin, sound money and macroeconomics with me, Jim. And me, Jordan. How are you feeling, Jordan? Yeah, a lot better now. Uh, that was uh, not very nice. No. It's, everyone seems to be getting it now. I've been on the phone to quite a few people and they've been like, oh yeah, I've just had that or I've just feel like I'm going to get that or yeah it's going round anyway it's just like a flu almost yeah so you, you, it's almost like oh you have you got the cold have you got the flu have you got covid have you got the next variation of covid have you got something in between where the flu and covid have had a had sex together and they've produced like this flu covid kid <laughs> and you get that it's really it's, you know um yeah, well, it does feel like that it just wipes you it wipes you Okay, so I've been doing some little videos on Twitter about orange pilling and how to orange pill people. And it's a difficult one for Bitcoiners. So, the, you know, the Bitcoiners like Dan Held and, and uh, Corey Clipstein, etc., they, they could sit within a room and orange pill people very quickly. They've got it down. They've got it off pat. They, they understand the theory and the pragmatics of it all. But it is, it is a difficult thing to do. And we got a note from uh, Becky Johnson, who's in Iceland, who's one of our listeners. And he said, look, I've got a friend in Iceland. I keep trying to orange pill him, but it's really difficult. He's a, he's sceptical. Could you guys help me out? <laughs> so I thought we would just do a an orange pill episode where we, we say, here's things that you can consider helping people understand why the money is broken and then explain Bitcoin. And I guess you'll never convince them in one conversation, but if you can spark some curiosity and make them think, then it's not... I guess it's what happened to us, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, we went down multiple rabbit holes before we found the Bitcoin rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Um, And I'm finding... That was one thing that scared me, I I think, coming into Bitcoin was like, oh, you have this background of cryptocurrency, but you, you talk to everyone... And everyone has been on the same journey, yeah. <laughs> well, pretty yeah. much everyone. Yeah, and and when we when we spoke to Corey Clipstein, he he, had, he they, everyone has done it. Everyone started off with uh, Bitcoin, and then they've gone to Ethereum, and then they've, uh, way back it was Litecoin, and then you start getting involved in so much other stuff, and we did as well. I mean, I remember I was getting involved in things like Pack Global. What that? What? I, and I look back and I cringe. I really cringe. <laughs> um, but you, uh, you, but you do come back to the sound money. So yeah, yeah. and I guess it all comes back to that. Yeah, comes back to that. And let let me when you put a rocket into space, NASA puts a rocket into space, and they put the rocket on the pad. And they've got big jet engines, big jet engines that go like that. And Elon Musk with his star, whatever it's called, Starlink and all they're doing the same. In the UK, Richard Branson yesterday tried to do it where you've got an aeroplane doing that and it does this. And it's like, and then it, I don't know, did it fall into the ocean? It didn't work. It's like, that, that to me was Ethereum. Richard Branson created an Ethereum rocket and it just fell, as opposed to doing what Elon Musk is doing, is going straight back up and then straight back down. 
That's a Bitcoin rock, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, what? The two analogies that I've used before is because Elon Musk, before he managed to crack that code of being able to take a rocket up and land it back down safely yeah. to reuse it, like they had, like, what was it? Multiple failures. Yeah. And they, what was it? He was on his last rocket, I'm pretty sure. I watched a documentary on him and he was on his last rocket that he could afford and he had to make that one work, essentially. So you could also argue that he does it the Ethereum way, but that's just failures to then succeed, right? But saying that, I just put a post out about Bitcoin and it was all about the prehistory of Bitcoin. On I put it out on LinkedIn and it shows you like all the research and development in the run-up to Bitcoin actually happening because Bitcoin wasn't this just aha moment that suddenly Satoshi was like an absolute genius, which yes, they, he, she, whoever it was, was, <laughs> but they didn't think of this all by themselves. They used the work of the previous 40 years in cryptography that the cypherpunks had uh, built through blockchain and unit like monetary systems and just formed it all together and then bitcoin is the final product i guess so therein lies an interesting segue into bitcoin being the final product so for for our icelandic listeners for those in iceland is that is that my icelandic accent i'm not really sure if that's a good Icelandic accent. <laughs> you've probably just insulted Oh, yeah, 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 Islanders. <laughs> but the 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 product part is where I believe. Now, everyone in Bitcoin who goes down the rabbit hole, and we talk about you know you go down that rabbit hole and you explore, and then another one opens up, and another one opens up. My journey, and this is my journey. This is not other people's journey. This is mine. I believe that Bitcoin is going to become a product. It's going to become a product of the the traditional financial system. I believe it's going to be an investment-grade product that BlackRock, NatWest, uh, Goldman Sachs, whoever you want to, whoever you, Standard Charter, are going to regulate with the regulators and make sure that it's uh, wrapped up in such a way that they can sell it, spot Bitcoin or futures Bitcoin, which is paper rubbish, as a product to people that they can put in their pension funds or whatever. Now, that's just my thesis. Uh, and it's not where Bitcoin started. What happens? So I actually agree, but I only agree for a set period that that will be the case. What do you think of it as currency and money? Because I think it will, because of the trajectory it's on, and we're it's versus a collapsing fiat system that these institutions will package it up and sell it to people, which then does help adoption of it uh, but later down the line what do you think happens do you think, so think it gets adopted as a global I think, currency i think coterminous with that so this is all this is all wall street bernie made off the greed of america and americans need to look at themselves sometimes for all the innovation they keep imploding so wall street will grab it 
Coinbase already we're having discussions with big banks and big you know investment houses about how to how to make it this investment grade product and all will be well and your your Sam Bankman frauds they'll all disappear and and the wild west will disappear. Coterminous with that in places like Africa is the the currency side of it and the, it as Bitcoin as money will be used. And what will happen is because America is legitimizing Bitcoin as you know an investment grade product or money, these people will start to deal in sats and they'll probably feel more confident about it because they know there's a baseline. You know, it could it could create a baseline of fifty thousand dollars a a coin, and it will never go below that because America's got its back, etc. So I think there'll be two bitcoins running at the same time. So do you think that they will? Uh, it's interesting because uh, African nations, African countries are adopting it rapidly at the moment. But so do you kind of see it as like Western world institutions? By adopting it and offering it as a product is then going to raise adoption, which then would raise the price is what they want in the Western world. But simultaneously with uh, African nations, South American nations, the global South, let's just say, adopting it as a currency, then that's kind of the Western institutions then leveling the playing field for the global South, right? Yeah. Um, because they're so raising the adoption and the price of it. Yeah, but they won't have a. They, even though they do that, they'll, the 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 global south will make its own mind up on how it wants to do it and how it wants to use Bitcoin, and whether it believes it has been legitimized or not. But I think America right now will not be thinking about the global south. It will just be thinking about how can we pump the price of this asset and make it legal and and live happily ever after. And the hardcore Bitcoiners will say, "This is not what we want. We're off to El Salvador, or we're off to." Tanzania, I don't know, but I think it will grow. I think it will grow for the poor, and I think it will grow for the for the uber rich as well. And where where they'll meet in the yeah. middle? Yeah, it, I mean, we're talking about a form of money here, so it has to facilitate both parties and good and evil, and it has to both sides of anything. It has to be able to facilitate both of them because. The analogy that I use, and I can't remember who said it, but it's talking about a knife. That a knife can be used to stab someone, but it can also be used to save someone's life in surgery. And that's what this is as a form of money. It's going to be used by good and bad, by rich and poor, by you name it. Yeah, I can't remember where I was going with that, but I think that was the end of it. <laughs> okay, and I understand what you're saying. Okay, so getting back to Iceland. Yeah, Why? What, what arguments? What arguments do we have to say to people, or how can you put it to people in a friendly and informative way that the, why Bitcoin is important and why it could be used as money or why it could be used as an investment product? So we've set the scene as here's what it could be, but why is it? Mm -hmm. why, why is the current system not working? Before we go into the why. I just wanted to touch on something before that was you you said it and it's not the same for everyone when you approach this. So if you're trying to orange pill someone, you need to almost like strategize around, say you're trying to orange pill an individual, you need to strategize around that individual, like 
what are their interests what is their job what's their pain points at the moment and yeah why would they be interested because it's going to be totally different from whoever you're talking to like we're talking to a few CTOs where they're obviously technology based so we need to come with bitcoin from the technology side of things they might not care as much about the economic side of things so it's about meeting jeff booth says meeting people where they are and i think that's really important just to frame up how you should be talking to people or businesses or however you're doing it just be really tactical with how you orange pill them because there's no point going in we've all tried it right we've all tried it and just like guns blazing the fiat system is crumbling we're all going to shit come over to this lifeboat that is bitcoin that doesn't work so yeah it's about being tactical with your approach so yeah. i'll let you kick off with with one of them <laughs> yeah so for me what i'm seeing is so from 1929 and for the 1920s roaring 20s 1929, huge stock market crash. That huge stock market crash and that greed and everything that happened then, that impacted the world. And then it grows again, and then you have a crash. And then it grows again, and then you have a crash. And that cycle has been going on for, for decades, that, that I know of, decades. And that boom and bust makes the rich richer and the poor poorer. And when I watched the Bernie Madoff, documentary on netflix recently oh is it good it's really good no it's i mean it's i i, I would yeah. urge anyone to watch it because it really helps you with everything your understanding of bitcoin when you see how the markets and the regulators and the whole things are sh just a mess and i don't think it's any better mm. so when you look at that whole thing and you go they just get richer and the bank that was at the center of that the bank that he used and they knew about the billions getting in and out was J.P. Morgan. And then it says at the end of the documentary, J.P. Morgan has had numerous huge fines, but no one goes to, for all, for all this sort of stuff, but no one goes to jail. So the banks are, I would mm -hmm. say the bank, the current banking system and making the rich richer and the poor poorer is part of where we are. Now that, that's just like a big retail mm -hmm. investment bank. But, if you come back to the banks of banks, central banks, who created a central bank? At what point did anyone in Iceland, the United Kingdom or America, vote for a central banker? I didn't vote for any central bankers. I vote for a local MP or MSP or local councillor. At no point have I voted for a central banker. Yet central banks are dictating monetary policy, fiscal policy, interest rates, what you can and what you can't have. And by the very nature, banks can be manipulated because they're run by human beings. They're not run by computers. Mm -hmm. And the difference is Bitcoin is a computer. It's, set, it's almost like its own computer that sits there. Yes, it's a piece of software, but it's not open to the same manipulation as central banks. And unfortunately, central banks are, when you talked about the good and evil, they are, they are, they are, they're unelected, they're autocratic, and they're open to manipulation, and they manipulate money. 
But let me tell you how. They can put interest rates up or down, and you can see that right now with the Federal Reserve. And so they can, they can they're, they're essentially crashing the economy. Jerome Powell in America is more or less saying, I'm crashing the economy. I need to I, I need to raise unemployment. I need to get inflation down. It has to. Well, what have you been doing for the last 10 years? <clears throat> as you allowed as you allowed zero interest rates to go to to get out of control. And that all those zero interest rates then made made the banks fortunes because people borrowed in cre- credit and credit cards. So right away, this whole banking system, from the, the banks we use every day to the investment banks up to central banks, is part of the problem. I think I just wrote down there whilst you were talking, the phrase that gets bounced around quite a lot in Bitcoin is a world run by rules on the Bitcoin protocol rather than rulers. And I think that hits a world run by rules, not rulers. I think that sums up everything that you're talking about there. Like people have to now play within the rules set by the monetary standard, the monetary system, which is Bitcoin, if we do move over to that. Um, and there's, there is no rulers um, like Jerome Powell or Christine Lagarde or the dude down at the uh, Central Bank of England. Andrew Bailey, that's the one. <laughs> big Andrew Bailey. <laughs> big Bailey. Big um, Bailey's in town. <laughs> big, big Bailey, yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just to pick up on you there, Jordan, what you're saying is, if I'm reading this correctly, and it's important for the audience to get this, Bitcoin isn't socialist. Bitcoin isn't capitalist. Bitcoin isn't left. Bitcoin isn't right. Bitcoin isn't labour. Bitcoin isn't Tory. So we're brought up to think in these, and uh, 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 these it's left. You know, it, it's there's no grey. It's just black or white, black or white. He said, she said. And if you look at the politics we've got just now, the political system in the United Kingdom, and we talked about we haven't we haven't voted. I mean, they're talking about Boris Johnson. The Tories bringing Boris Johnson, a proven liar, back in, back in to run the party because they know that the current guy is useless, and he's coming across as he, he comes across as like a primary school teacher. Yes, <laughs> and and we will have constructive talks. Meanwhile, I'm a multi-millionaire, <laughs> and you're like, so they're going to bring they're going to bring in this big buffoon back because you think he's got all the bluster. And it's, that, and it's that part of kidding us all on. Politics have kidded us on. And, and it comes back to human manipulation. Yeah, and he's more of a distraction. Rishi's yeah. not as big as a distraction, right? That's it. Yeah, Boris, Don- Boris Johnson does stupid shit. Yeah. And they love it because yeah. it just detracts from the real problems in the world. Like, how do we bring... Because you put a tweet out, actually. I really liked it. I think I reposted it about the Brexit bus and it was all Boris Johnson was leading that and it was talking about the NHS and it will give X amount of money to the NHS but if we leave uh, Europe look what's happening right now yeah it was bullshit like what and nothing happens nothing happens to him at all no for that just blatant lying and that so that brings us back to our Icelandic friend who are orange (laughs) pilling in that what we're saying what we are suggesting is that banks and central banks are manipulated and they're political 
and they do what suits them and suits the politicians of the time. And our politicians, I would say 80% of them are in it for themselves. And we can see that currently with the way that the political system in the United Kingdom is being run. Even you look at Brazil just now, people are unhappy with politics. I mean, there's, they stormed the parliament buildings, etc., the Supreme Court. Now, whether the, whether, the, whether the election there was legal, legit or not, I don't know. But people are now questioning. They've had enough of, they've had enough of being manipulated. Let me just uh, finish this one on banks and, and governments. In Europe, the central bank of Europe, the European Central Bank based in Frankfurt, I would say is more powerful than the actual European, the actual government over there. It's dictating. Here's, here's how you control the people. And that's where the, the socialist thing won't work. Here's how you control the people. Put in a central bank digital currency. And we, we know exactly what Jordan Walker is spending. And we'll dictate to him what he can spend. And we'll make sure people just have enough money. See the poor living in the breadline, we'll make sure they've got enough. We'll give them enough to make sure they can buy enough food and pay the electricity. And they'll vote then the way we want them to vote. And this is the danger of Europe, the way we're going down there just now. And it's all around money. Money and controlling the people, controlling the poor, and make sure the rich get richer. And if and if you can't, if people cannot see that, and it's not as if we don't have to convince you, we can see that. We don't have to convince you. You can see the rich getting richer, and you can see the poor getting poorer. There's more food banks in the UK than there's ever been. That can't be right. So if they're in like lies your financial system, and I think what you're talking about here is. I think someone who explains it really well, and I would actually recommend his book, is Ray Dalio, and it's Changing World Order. And he's talking about, I've seen in a few of his, that he's put out lately on social media as well, is he's talking about like the standard of living is declining, and that's not the way we should be going. And like productivity is going down, and that's not how we should be living. It's like, why, why would you want to live in that world? We, as humanity, have created this environment that it's unsustainable to live on this planet. Why does that make sense as a society? Like, we should, we're smart enough to know that we could flip things. But unfortunately, there is a small group of powerful people and groups of people that have grasped control of this way that we're all living. And one thing I want to bring it back to, and it kind of links in with what you were saying, is that the money is the problem of all of this uh, because they've got control of the money. So then they can, these banks, governments can then control societies. And what we're trying to do is take that control away. That's simply all we're trying to do is take away some of their control and give it back to the people so then they can decide how they want to live their lives, how their nation is run, um, or the the community that they live in. But if you look at Dan Hell put something up, I think two days ago, and it was the global government debt in 2007 compared to 2022. So 2007, it was 30 trillion. The global debt was 30 trillion US dollars. And in 2022, it was 71 trillion. So it's way more than doubled in 
10 years or just over in 15 years sorry when does that stop that's my question and do we just keep living like this and the standard of living goes down productivity goes down what happens to humanity then if we're just on this constant decline and more people going into poverty uh, on these boom and buffs boom and busts it's it's non-stop like something has to change and i think more people are realizing that uh, as the days go on i'm certainly seeing more people or overhearing more people not that i talk to at all i just overhear them talking about these things and I, I find that really interesting, but they just don't have a solution or they haven't come to, they, they just know that there's a problem, but they don't know what to do about it. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of time when there's problems, one of the big countries will start a war. So right now, I mean, the United yes. Kingdom's now is talking about giving tanks to Ukraine and I, I don't know where all that's going. But coming back to your 71 trillion, that's a lot of zeros. I think 31... Is it 31 trillion now the US are up to? Actually, let me look at the world's debt clock. This is a great website for anyone, the world, uh, the world debt clock. And the US are at 31.5 trillion in debt. So they That's own a fair majority of that. <clears throat> so 31 trillion in America. So America's built on debt. So there again, coming back to our Iceland Bitcoiners, because we're going to change into Bitcoiners, that debt will never be repaid. America cannot pay that debt. Japan cannot pay its debt. That's $71 trillion. The world will never be able to pay that debt off, but we've allowed it to accrue. So the debt belongs to the world. Meanwhile, the bankers and the top and the elite get richer. You're not. It's not as if... You've, we've all shared in that debt to say, well, I, I got my 500,000. Did you? No. But you pay that because you have, we're going to we're gonna have to pay that in taxes. Taxes are going to go up like we've never experienced before in the next decade because there's no way we can grow out of this debt that we're in. No country can. Potentially El Salvador might. And therein lies an experiment we can talk about. So I, I think. What we've shown here is the current system is broken. The money is broken. It doesn't matter where you are. There's, there's rich, there's poor. But ultimately, we need a new, fairer system of money that can that's not open to as much manipulation. And that's where Bitcoin comes in, in our opinion. However, as we yeah. preface this conversation with at the beginning of the, the, the pod, I believe the big banks right now are trying to get their hands on Bitcoin so that they can institutionalize it. And if they do that, it might, Jordan, be open to manipulation because they might be able to manipulate the price, which is a worry. Because also in America, if you think about it, if you've got all these big banks and, and the whole of Wall Street start to buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin, where's the majority of the Bitcoin mining taking place right now? America. And that's that there. If you were to look at it and say, here we go again, America wants to own Bitcoin. So it's going to, it's going to own the mining and it's going to own the, the actual financialization of it. To a certain extent, that worries me. Yeah, that's a good point. That it is worrying how, how much of the mining they have. I agree with that. 
But also, when you say they can manipulate it, yes, they can manipulate the price, as you said, but they can't manipulate the fundamental underlying core of it. And I think that's the beauty of it, is that they they can't change anything just by unelected officials or a small group of people can change something on a whim. And yeah, I the mining is, I I need to look more into that, but I've heard quite a few people now saying that there is a lot of mining happening in America, which isn't necessarily a good thing because you want it to be as decentralized as possible, right? Correct. And I guess that you've just hit the nail on the head in terms of one of the big things about Bitcoin. We're about to talk about that. So we've given you part of the problem. Here's, here's how we see some of the solution is that Bitcoin is very decentralized. So the bank, the European Central Bank or the Federal Reserve can print money or stop the printer. So they can manipulate that so it's centralized. Bitcoin is decentralized over tens of thousands of nodes and it's got a fixed supply of 21 million. So you cannot print it. So therefore it's not open to that manipulation and it's more decentralized in that even though Bank of America or JP Morgan might buy it and own it, they'll never, they'd have to buy it all to own it. And, and I don't know what the price of buying 21 million Bitcoin is. They'd have to, they'd have to own. Uh, I'm not sure they'll do that. They should be able to have the funds to do that. It's a good question though, isn't it? You, people wouldn't give up their Bitcoin is another thing you have to consider as well. I wouldn't give. I wouldn't sell my Bitcoin to JP Morgan. What for um, one for one million pounds? No, because it's pounds. You, You're talking in pounds here. Like, then that's just starting the problem all over again. I know, but the, right? what I'm saying to you because then to, I've got pounds. I know, but Jordan, what I'm saying to you is, I don't think <laughs> that's ever going to. I don't think you're ever going to get away from until there's an absolute. This is the apocalypse. If there's an absolute meltdown of the fiat system where everybody gets hurt, we're not going to go into a Bitcoin standard. That's going to take, you know, people are going to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go uh, trade in seashells again or I'm going to trade in what I need to do to get by because you're talking about oblivion then. What I'm suggesting is the banks are going to own it. The, they'll do, the price will go up and over that 50-year period or so, you're either going to make the decision to take the wealth that it creates or you're going to be a pure bitcoiner i mean i can't say which way the world's gonna go like are we gonna live in a simultaneous currency or a dual currency world because it one question that really someone said i really can't remember who i've been trying to wrap my brain who said it and they mentioned that Say there was a global monetary standard and everyone was on Bitcoin. Let's just say 50 years time to 100 years time that everyone was using Bitcoin and that's the only currency or the main currency that everyone was using. What happens to wages around the world? And this really got me thinking because I live in the UK, I will get paid more than someone who's doing exactly the same job. Say I work in a factory in the UK, I get paid more than someone working in the Philippines, working in a factory. 
But what happens if we're using exactly the same currency? Yeah. And this has been like blowing my mind. Like what, how does that work? Um, and this one, this is actually one question I'd like to put to Jeff Booth, because I think he'd be the perfect person to answer that. Coming back to what you said, I wonder if it starts off as a dual currency and that things are priced in pounds yeah. or, or, or whatever, and then they're priced in Bitcoin at the same time. Which comes back to, you might not have the Armageddon of total currency collapse and then Bitcoin emerges as the new saviour. What you might have is two or three countries like El Salvador going onto a Bitcoin standard and then people watching that and then they start to trade. And I think you're right. It won't just happen right away that one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin or things will be priced in sats because yeah. you're right. What... People like Australia, they've got they've got a fantastic economy just now. They might say we don't want Bitcoin. Everything's fine over here, and it's where it's where countries are maybe struggling that Bitcoin or a dual currency might come through. And you're kind of seeing that just now. Um, so coming back to Iceland, could you put Iceland on a dual currency? Potentially, I don't know enough about Iceland. Maybe we should take a trip to Iceland. Well, they've got that. they've got on lots of ge geothermal <laughs> energy. They could be they could be big Bitcoin miners. Oh, I think they are already massively. Are they? I remember a few years ago seeing stories about it, but yeah. I haven't seen anything recently. Because I did see that I think mining was using more energy than actually people on the island, I want to say. But obviously it's I, I assume that it's renewable energy, but hopefully it's not getting taken away from the grid. But going back to your currency collapse. Yeah statement that's not what we want i do not want us to move fast onto a bitcoin standard fundamentally like i think that would be catastrophic for societies around the world if we just suddenly shifted from one monetary system to the other think of the chaos the anarchy that would happen like this has to be done over a set period of time and through stages as well. So I think one of those stages is a multi-currency, a dual currency, what, however it is. But I don't think that we, if hyper-Bitcoinization or the end goal is a Bitcoin standard, then I think it has to be later down the line and through multiple stages and maybe the institutional adoption is the first one um i i don't know what those stages are but if I, I do not want us to just suddenly flick a switch that would be horrendous for civilization really yeah i don't, I don't think that'll happen i think it'll be it could be a 50 to 100 year transition with a few countries trying it out they learn their lessons other countries take it on You've maybe got you know the, the Wall Streeters uh, tampering with it, you know, f working out how getting their heads around it as well. So, but the problem is, what we need to be careful of is, no one should want to control it. it the actual, as we talked about, the network itself must remain completely independent, and I think it's got that capacity to do that. Okay, so the money's broken, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. The central banks manipulate stuff and we've got a massive global debt. So we're kind of stuck. So how do you get out of that? What's different about Bitcoin? Now, 
we've already said it's not going to happen overnight, but what's different about it? So it's got no shareholders. It's got no CEO. Somebody put a funny tweet out. I've got I'm going on TV to do a to do a an interview and I wondered if the CEO of Bitcoin, Mr. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto would have, would uh, no Nakamoto would accompany me. I thought it was quite funny. It's like <laughs> who who is it? That's the beauty. It's just been done. And it's been left there for humanity. So no mm. shareholders, no CEO, no dividends, no marketing department. And when I listened to Peter McCormack's pod was David Zell. He had a pod the last I've couple of days. It's good. He's kind of the Bitcoin policy guy over. Is you know he's creating policy for uh, Washington DC, and he said you know it's so different in Bitcoin. And you and I have come across this because we don't have you know if you want to if you want to go for a Senate hearing, they can phone up the CEO of Ripple. And he can turn up with an army of accountants and lawyers and auditors and show all this, you know, and put money towards it. You don't have that in Bitcoin. You just go up there with what you've got mm-hmm. in terms of the theory and the maths and the science and let and, and let, let the rest of it play out. You don't have these budgets. That feels quite pure to me as a good start. Mm-hmm. I think it's not... That's the tricky thing, though, about Bitcoin as well, right? Is you don't have that organizational people power behind it because it's so, yeah, it's because it's so decentralized, which is a pro and a con at the same time. Because, as you said, like we could get a bunch of people to, if there was a hearing or whatever, look at Hoddle Knot. Everyone got behind Hoddle Knot against Craig Wright. But there isn't that organizational structure behind Bitcoin attack, or not attacking, but like fighting back against a very organized structure that is governments, central banks, big institutions. We, we don't have that. And that's where it comes down to the community and the decentralization. And I think that's why bringing Bitcoiners together, you have such amazing conversations because you're, you're all like-minded and yeah it's just bringing people together i feel like which sounds very cringy but it kind of does at the same time (laughs) okay so how does that help what you've said there how does that help our icelandic non-bitcoiner yeah i was kind of just showing the the pros and the cons (laughs) of it but it shows that it is happening like the people are getting the power back um on small individual levels i guess like you're fighting david david versus goliath really um and that's what we're trying to fix i i feel like this isn't helping the case for orange pill <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like i'm just explaining bitcoin <laughs> i think i think what you're saying is so you've got money so you've got ripple and you've got ethereum who've got creators and they've got developers and they've got money behind them and they've got marketing budgets, etc. And then and they can go in and interfere with the code. And they groups of them can they they've then got they've then got a bias. Whereas Bitcoin was created 14 years ago, it's been put out there and there's no bias. There's no leader. The consensus is the consensus. It was as Michael Saylor says, it's pristine technology. And people mm-hmm. have been trying to improve upon it to human interference 
but the actual network itself is just ticking along as it was intended to do. So there's a purity and a, a, an, an, a rareness there and an authenticity around it. And if you can get your head around that initially, you say, well, America might say, or Iceland might say, how can we adopt that? How can we use that? And that's the beauty. It was put out there to, and you can use it or adopt it any way you want, but you can't interfere with it. You can't manipulate the money. No central bank can say, we're bringing Bitcoin inside here and we're going to do this. And that has got to be a good thing because there can be no left or right or socialist or capitalist because it's just a piece of autonomous software that sits on 49,000 nodes throughout the world. Coming back to what you said then. Thank you. (laughs) Coming back to what you said is, so if I want to transfer money to someone in Iceland right now, I have to go to my bank and I have to say, I'd like to transfer £100 in sterling to this account so I've got to have the account number, which is fine, or the IBAN number. I'll then transfer it. Two things happen then. The first thing that happens is there's an exchange rate. And within that exchange rate, the bank makes a margin. That's the first thing. The second thing is, in that whole transaction, the bank takes a fee. So there's two. I get charged. I might, I might only... It might only be £80 or £85 that actually gets transferred across because £15 disappears to the bank. And that was all done through the American SWIFT system. So America owns the SWIFT system, which was able to take Russia off the SWIFT system. So it comes back to America again. We don't want to make this anti-American, but you can Mm -hmm. see how there's a control thing going on in the money. So my yeah. friend over in Iceland um, gets £85, not with Bitcoin, because it's peer-to-peer. Exactly. And we've seen signs of America weaponizing the monetary system, right? The SWIFT yes. system. And when they threatened to take um, Russia off of the SWIFT system, I don't... Did they do it in the end? I can't even remember. Yeah, yeah it's done. Um, but Russia is just trading, just trading in other ways. Yeah. But yeah, that's like the first signs. Like we're seeing a lot more signs of weaponizing monetary systems, which is scary. Um, if you look at Canada as well with the truckers. And I'd never really previously seen this before. Yes, I don't have that much history or adult history within crisis crises, but I, it was very eye-opening for me that these things are happening. And the beauty of it is that they cannot happen on Bitcoin. Like, the truckers then resorted to sending, receiving money in Bitcoin uh, because the government couldn't interfere with it. Although they tried to interfere with it um, and made a mockery of themselves because they showed that they didn't understand it, which was hilarious. But that is the beauty of it, is that no one has control other than you over your money and where you send your money and who you send your money to. Yeah. So I can send from my Bitcoin wallet, I can send £100 to Iceland to the person there who's got a Bitcoin wallet, which is, I mean, everyone thinks it's complicated. It's not any more complicated than a sort code and an account number. It's just a wallet address that you copy and paste into your wallet. Then I'll send that. And I know that that's on the Bitcoin network and there's no middlemen. 
And that's the bit that JP Morgan, that's the bit that Visa and MasterCard don't want to happen because they make huge fees. Every time you go in and you pay for something in your card and you go, and 60, 60 pounds comes off for a pair of shoes, three or four pounds of that goes to MasterCard or, or Visa or the bank. Not with Bitcoin. That's the huge difference. And that's what's scaring them. So it's all part of the debt thing. Our lives are so much better because of Visa and MasterCard. Really? It suits them and they make lots of money. Whereas Bitcoin, I can just send it to you. And even and, and what I think we need to build on this because people say, oh, it's slow. It's slow technology. It's old. Lightning, what Jack Mallers and Strike and things are doing on top of uh, in Bitcoin, the lightning layer, it's going to be lightning fast and it's pennies. I might, I might send you, I could send you a million pounds if I had it in, Bit, in Bitcoin to Iceland for like three pence. Now, if I was to do that through the bank, it might take two days and they'll charge me 400, uh, might charge me four or 500 pounds. That's the difference about us taking back our lives with Bitcoin. Yeah, and it's just starting. Like, yeah. we're part of, right, now that you're Hoover, you're cleaner is clearly turned on the hoover let's wrap up <laughs> that's, that's the dog that's the dog that. so hopefully we've shown there's the old system which is open to manipulation in a bad way and hasn't really worked as you said 71 trillion in debt and there's the, op- the opportunity for the new age we remember when the internet started that'll never take off well this is the internet of money this is internet money and mm-hmm. it's just Hopefully, we've created some discussion points that you can go away and explore now, and ultimately you go down that rabbit hole. And that, and I guess when we talk about orange pill, this is an orange pill. You talk about tactics. You pick one or two of these, and that's your tactic, depending who you're talking to. But you've then got to say, well, you're you're essentially questioning what they were brought up with. Here's your perception of reality. And what you've been told is correct in the structures and whether they're political or financial. And we're saying, no, there's a different way to do it. That, that it's not a bad way. It's just a different way to consider it. Mm-hmm. And that's hard, right? For a lot of people to yeah. accept is you are questioning their reality of yeah. life and how societies work, which is not an easy thing to tackle like that's a hard conversation which is yeah. why it needs to be done tactically and you need to go in with a strategy and that's one thing that i've learned over this past year is knowing your audience knowing who you're talking to yeah um and how you want to talk to them put yourself in their shoes how do you think that they would understand bitcoin even if it's at just like a tiny little seed you just want to plant the seed initially that's all you need to do. Don't go guns blazing. Just plant a little seed and either they will come back to you or you could just go back to them a, a while later and be like, just build upon that. Um, I think that's the best way to do it. I suppose also it's, it's not making it too much of a stretch. So if I was to say, when Elon Musk says, we'll all be living in Mars in 10 years, I'm like, I don't think we will, mate. That's massive. To get my head around that. I mean, it's enough for people moving from Edinburgh to London, never mind moving to Mars. 
Whereas, but it's easy to say, well, actually, you could pay for this using this because it's just a different currency. And right now, people see it as a bad currency just because of. And I would say to people, don't conflate FTX, Sam, Sam Bankman fraud, and all the rubbish that is going on with the Bernie Madoff moments with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not an exchange. Bitcoin is a completely separate piece of technology that the exchanges have used and put human greed and human frailty onto to make bad actors rich. Completely different. All right, mate. That was a, that was a quick hour, wasn't it? Perfect. Holy that right. was. That was a good one. I really enjoyed that. Well, I'm hoping to get, I'm hoping that our friend in Iceland will we can maybe help them open a Bitcoin wallet and send them some Bitcoin and, and show how it works. Exactly. Yes, I'd be keen for that. Definitely. Well, let's see what feedback we get. So, everyone, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Ciao.